Welcome to the Diversity and Inclusion in Rural Workplaces podcast, brought to you by the Owen Sound Chamber, welcoming communities and YMCA settlement services and Gray Bruce Local Immigration Partnership, featuring guests who are integral to the project and hosted by Tiffany James, Social Media and Events Coordinator at the Owen Sound Chamber of Commerce. I would like to welcome Christina Abella and Colleen Purden. Christina is an outreach worker at the YMCA Owen Sound Grey Bruce. Christina is part of the YMCA Settlement Services and also has experience as an employment peer mentor at Stride. Colleen works with Owen Sound's Welcoming Communities. She also has worked on national, provincial, and regional community development projects focusing on violence prevention, poverty, women's equality issues in rural communities. She has worked as the executive director for the Women's Centre in Grey Bruce, as well as the coordinator for violence prevention Grey Bruce. Colleen is a founding member of the Inclusive Communities Committee and the Grey Bruce One World Festival. Welcome, Christine Mm. and Colleen. Please let me know if I missed anything from your bios. No. No? (laughs) That's a lot, Colleen, that you do, and thank you for your service. I did spend a bit of time working in the YMCA Employment Services here before I transitioned to the outreach role. Okay, thank you. First and foremost, thank you both for being here. I'm very excited about this project. Diversity and inclusion is huge right now as we want everyone to feel welcome, but especially in the rural areas and in rural workplaces it's something we want to draw attention to so thank you so much for being here today absolutely colleen i'm going to start with you how did you get involved in this project that we have going right now well i got involved because i'm on the board of welcoming community scrapers that's a new organization we founded it in 2019 because we felt there was a need to have an organization that was exclusively looking at integration of newcomers, supporting newcomers, and addressing barriers to inclusion in communities, addressing racism and discrimination, and really building a community where everyone belongs. So that's why I got involved. It's our major project for this year, and we're so happy to partner with the Chamber of Commerce, Owen Sound and District. And the funny thing is, is that we made the application for this project about three years ago, and then we didn't hear anything. And then suddenly, last year, we heard we were successful. (laughs) (laughs) We just thought, oh, well, that's not happening. Too bad. We'll have to look for another funding opportunity. But we're really happy to be doing this project. Yeah, it's a great project, and it is really needed in rural areas. Mm -hmm. and, And Christina, how did you become involved in the project? So as the outreach worker for the YMCA Settlement and Language Services, I was asked to participate because we're a partner in this project. And we really want to give our perspective. We do support many newcomers who are looking for employment, who are new to Graham Bruce in Canada. And we have specifically a newcomer workplace program. So we would just want to lend our insight to the project. And with my background in employment, I've seen many times how newcomers come with international credentials and international experience and are looking for work. And we wanted to have those conversations as part of this group. Where do you find the need or the lack thereof of drawing newcomers to the area, keeping them in the area, and then having them participate in the workplaces at the level where they can succeed? My perspective on that is people will come to the area and look for work, but if they're employed below their credential level or below their experience level, they may not stay. So if people are, for example, working frontline jobs, but they have international degrees, and years of experience in a field, and they have trouble getting jobs in those fields, they may move on somewhere else. So that's some of what we see. 
Um, but that is also on a provincial level as well, right? There's credentials. If you're a, a doctor in a foreign country, you have to go through the... Yeah, so the there's an accreditation process through us where you have your international credentials recognized. Oh. And they will give you the Canadian equivalency, but it may not be the same as what you're recognized in your home country. And so that is an ongoing challenge for our newcomers. Yeah, I think it's really important. Rural communities have been kind of monochrome, I suppose. It's been... We're all immigrants to this area, except the Indigenous peoples who have always been here. And in many ways, we came, people who are white, as immigrants and usually oppressed people who left their home countries, not because maybe they wanted to, but because they were forced out. There was no work, there was no money. Or in the case of my grandparents, Irish Catholics, and they all came here and I think every wave of immigration faces barriers. And now we're in a position where we have a declining population in Grey Bruce, and we need new people to come here. We have an aging population in Grey Bruce, and we need and want people to come here and live here. And we want to be able to reduce the barriers to inclusion, but also to employment, to having a really good life. So there's lots of ways we can do that. Where would you say the most change is needed in Grey Bruce? I think from my experience, because I've been working in the field of, I'd say, anti-oppression work, many people are marginalized in Grey Bruce. Women, visible minorities, and Indigenous people have been marginalized, although they were here long before we were. And they don't have a voice, and they don't have much power either. So I think the culture and society in Gray and Bruce is not one that makes it easy to be a newcomer, regardless of your background. Mm. So if you're a newcomer who comes without the, quote, right education, you may have a very, very good education, but we don't think it's the right one. Or if you're not quite the right color, if you're a visible minority, or if you have any kind of physical or mental health barriers that you don't fit, if you're Indigenous, there's particular challenges. And I've lived here for a long time. I think we've made great strides, but I think we can do a lot more to make this place, this community, this region more inclusive and more welcoming, especially for people who are different. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We tend to stay within ourselves sometimes when you come yes. from smaller communities. And mm -hmm. yeah. there's also that fear of that unknown, which is... Yeah. It's hard. It's very it, human. It it's is. very human. And I, I, when I ever I see things like this, I also know that this is a very welcoming place. There's wonderfully kind and generous people who've been very kind and generous to me. My husband's German. Our children were German. And we were welcome. But at the same time, when my children were in school, they were called Nazis. Oh. Yeah. Really tough. They come home from school. Mm. And they're blonde, blue-eyed, white children. And they're older now, too. But... I just think there's a, somebody said once, there's kind of a, a casual approach to racism and discrimination. It's not talked about. It's very much not a conversation. And I think what we can do with projects like this is just have a conversation about how to be more welcoming, mm -hmm. how to be more inclusive, how to remove barriers one at a time. Yeah, I would agree. Having those hard conversations yes. that people don't want to have. Christina, where would you say the most change is needed in Grey Bruce in regards to having newcomers come in and fill 
the need. There's need in our area. With the Chamber of Commerce, you hear about we need employees, we need staff, we don't mm-hmm. have staff. There's a huge resource of newcomers out yeah. there. How can Grey Bruce be more welcoming and more inclusive in welcoming newcomers into that area? So part of what we talked about is the opportunity for more small groups of casual conversations where people can actually get to know each other, foster um, some curiosity and just some friendships among people of all different backgrounds and cultures. So that might help with the community to be a more welcoming, inclusive place. In terms of employment, I think one of the things that newcomers come up against quite a bit is that English isn't their first language. Mm. And so a Maybe an understanding that these newcomers speak other languages fluently and English isn't their first language, but they do learn English fairly quickly. And so if we can support them through like our free language classes and help with that and support the employer through resources like free translation of documents or using translator apps and maybe like awareness so that we can bridge the gap between languages a little bit better. So when newcomers are accessing services locally, often they'll need a translator. So I think that's something that we could work towards changing and offering a little more widely in our community. Yeah, I know that when a newcomer comes to the area, they will go to a settlement service. Employers don't know that that's there for them. Mm -hmm. Is there a way you think we could get more knowledge out there for our employers to say, hey, you know what? There's this untapped pool of resources for you. Here it is. Absolutely. So our Newcomer Workplace Support Program is fabulous, and I can go in more detail if you like, but we do translate documents for employers. We specifically support health and safety onboarding so that that is not an issue for employers. We have a worker who will go out to the job site and coach clients as they onboard to make sure the job is understood well and the communication is good. And then if there's any cultural differences that come up in the workplace, we mediate that as well. So yes, definitely, we'd love to share more information about that program. It's early on, but we do have some really excellent resources, like Settlement and Language Services. And you're right, Tiffany, people, employers may not even know they mm-hmm, exist. Mm-hmm. In the last mm-hmm, summer, yeah. we went to every municipality and every council in both Gray and Bruce County to tell them about Settlement and Language Services, about welcoming communities, and about the Gray Bruce Local Immigration Partnership. So these are all organizations that exist to support the integration of newcomers and to address barriers to inclusion. But most council members didn't know, and these are the leaders in the community, didn't know these services existed. So Mm. I think the general awareness level of the resources that are available are not always good. And I think the other thing is, is people find resources, can be very, very good at finding resources when they think there's a need. And that's where I think in this community we need, and particularly I think in employment situations, a bit of an attitudinal shift. Mm. That if we're going to attract and retain people to come here who don't come from the area, we have to, as employers, be willing to look at how can I support these people? How can I make it work for them and for me and for our organization? And really reach out into the community, ask around. And I think it's not just the employee fitting the job, it's also the employer being able to adapt the situation to best support the employee to make those accommodations. And a few years ago, we didn't have any supports and services for newcomers. Mm -hmm. So now we do. So one of the things about this project is it's just trying to raise awareness. It's a two-way street. If you want to attract and retain newcomers and diverse people into the community, 
We need supports for newcomers. We need newcomers who are engaged and want to fit. And we need employment situations that are going to really put a lot of energy into making it work. Yeah, I think some employers, there's that the cultural difference that they either shy away from or are afraid or, you know, mm-hmm. as Canadians, we tend to be very polite. We don't want to ask the tough questions and we don't want to ruffle feathers. Would you would you agree or disagree with that? I think it is true about the politeness, but I think the other part is making these accommodation often confronts us with difference and how comfortable are we with difference and how easy is it to talk how easy is it for us to recognize that we have our own internal barriers to other classes other people other ethnic minorities and is culture a barrier or is it something that enriches a workplace? Mm. Is a language problem like a that. problem? Or is it good to have somebody who speaks four languages in your workplace? English is their third, maybe. But, you know, it's the way we look at these things, difference. person who has a disability, is this a problem? Or is this a real opportunity for the employee, but also for the employer? Mm-hmm. It's having those challenging conversations and opening up our awareness as to what the potential that's mm-hmm. out there. And recognizing the strengths and skills that the newcomers come with. So languages is one of them, but also training and skills that might be different from what we have here in Canada. So we have a success story of a client who was hired by a major employer here and taught the staff a new skill brought from their home country. And the employer was absolutely thrilled. So they do have a lot of strengths as well and things to add to our culture and workplaces. Mm-hmm. And that's what I meant by the attitudinal shift. Mm. It is a rather insular culture and society in in Grey Bruce and has developed a very vibrant and rich culture. But now new cultures are coming, new people. So we all have to kind of adjust and look at it in a positive sense and not as something that's going to be taken away. So there are lots of myths out there. You know, these immigrants, they come and they're going to take my job. And that's just a complete myth. Yeah, Total. But they're still out there. Like there's lots of myths about indigenous people, about black people that really need to be addressed and changed. You hear a lot about unconscious bias and it really is for some unconscious. They don't even realize that they're doing it. So bringing awareness to that too, Mm -hmm. I think is a big portion. What would you say in our area, I'm going to pose this to you, Christina, are the current conditions for newcomers to find work there's always room for improvement have we improved in the last four years that we've brought this projects into our area with the gb lip with the welcoming community starting it off have you seen an improvement yeah what i hear from all my colleagues is that there has been a great improvement and that people are becoming more open-minded and willing to hire people we are having great success with some workplaces taking on newcomers I think some of the things are that they need to have a valid SIN in order to work. Sometimes employers are looking for a Canadian credential, so the newcomer would have to go through that process to get recognition for their prior training. And sometimes we have newcomers with informal education. They may not have formal education. We often see newcomer women who may not have been part of the formal educational system, but they have years of experience in their craft. And so we're having conversations with employers about accepting that experience as well. That's awesome. Colleen, I'm going to say this to you because you've sort of been a part of this project since it came before mm-hmm. it even became our the project that with the chamber, the partnership with the chamber. Where do you see diversity and inclusion in Grey Bruce in one year, five years, 10 years down the road? 
Yeah, I read that question. <laughs> we got the questions ahead of time, and I thought, one year, Don't five year, ten year. Uh, no, it's not the secrets. It's what are we building on, I think. Change can happen really, really quickly or not happen at all. That's just been my experience. And then things come together, they coalesce, and things happen. And I think in the last three or four years, things have coalesced and changed. There's been a lot of change in Grey Bruce. Partly a need, a huge need for workers, for people. Partly pressure from the south. I mean, they're saying now that in 10 years, we're going to have 90 million people in Canada instead of 40 million. Where are they all going to live? They're all going to live down south of us, and it's all going to push north. Mm. So I think there's a feeling in this area that we are a great place to live and people want to live here and we might need to change things in our community to accommodate the people who are going to be coming here. So that's the other thing. And the other is there's been some pretty big shifts, I think, with truth and reconciliation. So one thing that's always really bothered me was that the Indigenous people of this area have been more or less marginalized and disappeared for most of the time. I've lived here 40 years now. And most of the time, you would hardly know there are Indigenous people here. They're out on their reserves. You don't see them in workplaces. You don't see Indigenous people on the street. If you go to BC, you'll see Indigenous people. Every single place you go, there's Indigenous people. They're living on reserve, and they're living in communities, and they're working at the LCBO, and they're everywhere and it's never been like that here in my experience and we just built the Gitchinamawikadong Reconciliation Garden which is where the traditional village of the Nawash people the Saugeen Ojibwe was before contact and nobody in town knew that yeah nobody knew that and so building that garden and reclaiming place to recognize the culture of the indigenous people and the gift that they have given to us as settlers here, I think is that's a transitional part for how we welcome others. It opens the conversation. It opens the well. conversation. It really does. And I think in this community, we're just getting started with that conversation, but it allows us to have a bigger conversation about our community as a whole. What do we want it to look like? Who belongs here? Mm-hmm. Who has a say? Everyone belongs. Everyone belongs, Mm -hmm. and everybody has Mm -hmm. a say, but that's not been the way it has been for Indigenous people. You could ask any Indigenous person. We just actually, we we were talking to Michael Johnson, who's an Indigenous lawyer, Mm -hmm. and it it was great conversations to be had there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you hit on some of the points he hit on as well. Mm -hmm. They are here, they're in our, like the Indigenous people are in our communities. They started, they were here first. My question to him was, what can we do to encourage them to come into the workplace? And it's all about having that conversation. And feeling safe in your workplace, that there's not going to be discrimination, Mm -hmm. that you're not going to be racially profiled. Yeah. So those are all things that we've come a long way in the community, but I think it's a bigger conversation that's just necessary, but also is going to be such a gift for our community when we can feel comfortable with difference. When we feel comfortable with curiosity about where people are from and why they do things differently or all the other things. Yeah. It's a very rich conversation. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So that leads me to, do you think having diversity and inclusion, this is a no-brainer question to me, having diversity and inclusion in our community helps the younger generations? 
I'm going to talk again because, <laughs> what, well, I was very involved. 13 years ago, we founded the One World Festival. And it was a group of us who were out doing work on racism and discrimination, and it's really hard work, and we were kind of discouraged. So we thought, we've got to turn this around. This is really hard. So let's celebrate diversity. And then we had a bit of a laugh. What do you mean, diversity in Great Bruce? Because it was pretty, it looked on the surface to be fairly white. Yeah culturally and then as soon as you start to ask those questions there's incredible diversity people of different ability levels different where they came from all white people didn't come from Ireland like my grandparents they came from all over the world there's a whole big indigenous community that's very vibrant and very diverse in itself and different faith groups that you don't know about like there's a synagogue in Owen Sound, there's a mm -hmm. Baha'i community, there were Muslims. <laughs> so that was 13 years ago, and we started thinking, and then there was the two Korean families, <laughs> and the one <laughs> Japanese family that we knew of, and the few Chinese people, and the black people who came in the slave days. And then we realized that diversity is everywhere. We're all diverse. Mm. We're all diverse. So everybody's different. So let's celebrate it. And... Who do we invite to our celebration? Children. Because the One World Festival is for kids who already accept people for the most part for who they are and not what they look like or sound like. And then just keep that going and let them see that diversity, hear that diversity, have fun with it. It's not scary. It's something just super. So I think, yes, youth, but I think a lot of not-so-young people, can learn a lot from the children about how they manage change, difference. I, uh, they my, don't have any trouble. <laughs> yeah. My sons and I actually went to the One World Festival uh -huh. last year, and I remember the fun part was newcomers in the area teaching the kids how to wear the hijab. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I was just, I love that. That table was the busiest table that whole day because it was different, and they embraced it, and it was fun, and they loved it, and I love seeing that. And I know recently with our project that we're doing, we did that film festival at the library, and we had over mm -hmm. 190 children come and watch those films. Yeah. That's encouraging in its own. Yeah. So we did yeah. offer the hijab experience again at the One World Festival this year, along with children could have their names written in Arabic. And we had one of our staff giving henna tattoos to the children, just small sample henna tattoos. But I just wanted to mention that as a person who grew up in a really multicultural area, I think it's really important for children to rub shoulders with people of all cultures and have that curiosity and just ask questions without there being any discomfort. So I'm a person who grew up with people from all over the world and shared food with them and did school projects together and went to their house after school. And it was a very normal thing in that community. And so I think if kids start to experience that, it helps to break down the barriers as they grow into adults. It becomes a normal and comfortable thing, and they develop respect for people of other cultures. There are differences, and we can appreciate those differences and celebrate the differences. And it doesn't have to be an uncomfortable thing if we have opportunities to hang out and be friends. Mm -hmm. And whatever that looks like for the kids in our community, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. The innocence of children is just, we could all learn from that. I would say it's the open-mindedness okay. of children. Sure. Maybe innocence, but we haven't taught children how to be afraid of what's different. Mm. They're open. They're open mm -hmm. to difference, and they're open to, they have courage. They'll yeah. figure it out, and they'll sit and talk to kids. They'll play. And mm. play is a language of children, and 
we as adults need to learn a bit that. I think that's great at the One World Festival. There were adults who wanted to learn how to put a hijab on as well. That's fabulous. <laughs> what would you say, Christina, what would you say the biggest concern is for newcomers when they come to the area and try to integrate into the workplace? Often, language is a huge barrier. So we do have language classes to try to support that. But if people chat with a newcomer and their English is not perfect, and that is not their first language, that can often be a difficult barrier to get past. So that's one of the main things. And again, having education from outside of Canada and experience from outside of Canada can sometimes be an issue for newcomers. Those are the main things that I'd point to. I want to pick up on that too, just from language. I think there's an attitudinal piece with that as well. I worked in Germany for seven years. I went to Germany for a job and I did not speak German. So I had to learn as an adult in a country. And as an English-speaking person, everyone was very kind. And my boss told me he had the perfect patient for me right away. I was working as a music therapist because she was an elective mute. (laughs) She didn't speak, so I didn't have to worry about not understanding her. It was very accommodating. So I think language is a barrier for sure, but how do we approach the barrier. Mm. With what attitude do we approach the barrier of language? With curiosity, with patience, with support, or with you need to learn to speak English before I'm going to talk to you. So there's some really unique, exciting approaches to addressing this issue. So if employees are hired in pairs, perhaps one person speaks English and their first language, and the other person may not speak English. If they're hired together, then they can work as a team and translation can happen within that team and any other employees who may speak that language. So that's an option. Uh, We had one employer tell us they would grant employees time to take language classes built into their day. So they would flex their day and alter their schedule so that they could participate in language classes. And then there's technology. So I've mentioned like a translation app, which you can use on your phone, but there's also an earpiece that you can buy that translates in real time. So I think if we're a little more flexible and willing to explore some options and other ideas about how to address the language issue and understand that these people are really smart, intelligent people with great skills and deserve a chance at employment here. Well said. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's that Mm -hmm. being flexible. So mm-hmm. not everything's black and white. And encouragement is really, really important if you don't speak the language. And that was my experience. And it was really nice to have people around me who celebrate the fact that I was learning some German. And I'm fluent in German now. I'll never write it, but I'm fluent in speaking. And I was just in Germany a few weeks ago for a friend. And um, people were saying, where do you come from? You speak German so well. And I thought, mm. oh, that's nice. <laughs> Does your husband say that? No, he never speaks German with me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What would your dream scenario of diversity and inclusion look like in Grey Bruce? I'll start with you, Colleen. My dream scenario. I think my dream scenario would look very much like a feeling of curiosity and learning from one another and not being stopped by someone's accent or their skin color, or their clothes that they wear, or their indigenous heritage, or their sexual orientation, or their gender identity. These are not barriers. These are just 
who people are. Mm -hmm. And my job, or in our community, we want to get to know the people that live in our community and make decisions based on those things. So we're a long way from that, and I am a long way from being that person myself. You know, I was raised in a, a place even smaller than Owen Sound, 800 people. Everybody worked in the railroad. Everybody did the same thing except the women, and they were all at home with kids. So it was a pretty small community. So there's been a lifelong learning for me in overcoming many of the stereotypes that I just bred in the bone sort of thing about ethnicity, culture, color, all those things. So in my ideal community, we would recognize that in ourselves. You talked about unconscious bias. Yeah. We just all carry around a whole load of unconscious bias. Yeah. I've worked for 35 years, 40 years on women's issues, and I'm a woman, and I still feel that one of the biggest barriers for me is all of my internalized stuff about who I am as a woman. Hmm. Yeah, it's a lifelong thing. So starting with you, and then seeing... The way to overcome all of that, in a way, is to, to be talking to other people who aren't like you, yeah. who can either correct you or whatever. It grows your world, it grows your mind, and I think it grows your community. I would agree. Christina? Yeah, so I'd love to see a real posture of openness and warmth and acceptance and genuine welcoming, which I know Colleen's been working on for a long time. And I would love to see culture is not an issue of hesitancy or awkwardness or those conversations can just happen warmly with, you know, we've mentioned curiosity and just let's talk about your culture. Tell me what you celebrate. Tell me about what food you cook. How can, what are your strengths and skills and how can we bring that into our community? And just, I would like it to no longer be an issue. (laughs) (laughs) That would be the dream. (laughs) Yeah, Christina, you've mentioned a lot of resources that the YMCA Settlement Services has. Where can employers find those services? So we do have a website. If you go to our YMCA of Owen Sound Graber's website and click on Community Initiatives, We have a tab there for settlement and language services. So everything is listed there on our website. Feel free to give us a call. You can phone for any information at any time. You can email us. We do have like a general email account for inquiries as well. And that newcomer workplace support is specific to employers if that's the program they're looking for. I don't think a lot of employers in our area know about that service. So that's nice. What I've seen from growing up in the area, you are seeing a lot more of that diversity, especially downtown. I get excited every time I see a new restaurant because mm-hmm. the conversations I was having with Michael earlier was to sit down and have that dinner and Mm -hmm. have that conversation and introduce yourself to new things. And that is hard for everyone, but I think that's where we need to be in order Mm -hmm. to open ourselves up and be more welcoming because it is a great community to be in. We're excited that the pandemic is over. Yes. So for new organizations like ours, and I think I could speak for Settlement and Language Services and the Grey Bruce Local Immigration Partnership, there's been a lot of things happening during the pandemic, but not much of it was visible in the community at large. So I think you're going to see more celebrations of diversity, more opportunities to get together and eat at each other's houses. Like two years ago, we couldn't even do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think there is lots of opportunity and maybe even some pent up energy to get out and do some things, some different things. Yeah. yeah. 
More mm-hmm. world cafes. More world cafes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if someone wanted to get a hold of you, Colleen, and find out more information about you, how would they be able to get a hold of you? Well, you can get a hold of us, Welcoming Communities Grey Bruce, through our website. So it's welcominggraybruce.ca. And I want to say also as a resource, we have a info, a newcomer hub in, I think, 30-some languages that has all kinds of resources available. There's a link on our website, and it's actually run through the 211 network so that might be a resource for some people excellent to resource not very many people know about too i know people don't know about it yeah. yeah and the other is on our website we have reports from the various projects we've done like we did a project on pathways to employment for visible minority women and developed a bunch of tools the diversity and inclusion in rural workplaces we're developing tools and workshops and there's a website that the project manager adriana has set up that's got links to all kinds of supports and resources for employers and right now there's a diversity film fest going on at the tom every night this week so there's things happening you might have to look around for them but the website will be a good resource excellent christina if they wanted to find more information like settlement services Will they take employee handbooks? Will they take policies and procedures? And will you translate them to help break that barrier? Yes, we do. We have a translation service that we do, and we can translate those documents into any language for the employer. Specifically, like health and safety and onboarding documents are usually the main concerns. You can find us on our website. The number's listed there. You can email, as I said, our general account. We are on social as well, so you can find our community initiatives page on Facebook. And we do have a group specifically for our clients as well. So yeah. Do you find you have more clients than you do workplaces right now? I would say we have more clients than workplaces, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. We got to break that barrier down. Yeah, I think attention. I don't think employers often don't know the resources that are agree. available, including the people resources that are now in our community mm-hmm. or would like to be here too. Yeah. They'll come. You mentioned Colleen about your the project um newcomer women and Mm -hmm. breaking that barrier down what would you say was the strongest barrier for the newcomer women in our area to have them in the workplace well it's the reason we're doing this current project with diversity and inclusion in rural workplaces we did extensive research with women visible minority women and with employers and women identified all kinds of barriers to employment getting employment or staying employed in workplaces, including racism, discrimination, and credentials, and all kinds of things like that. And employers didn't recognize or didn't identify very many barriers at all. They felt that the problem was people just didn't want to work, or they didn't apply, or they packed it in. You know, So there was a huge difference between the experience of the employers and the experience of the women who were being employed. And that's when we decided we really do need to support employers in recognizing barriers to employment and retention in the workplace so that they can be better able to support newcomers in the workplace. The other thing we can do too is partner with our employment services Mm -hmm. which are right across the hall from our offices and so sometimes resumes need to be updated to reflect a Canadian resume so they're quite happy to do that and also coaching people on interview skills and what's expected in a Canadian interview that's Mm. really important for anyone who's new to Canada because that looks different in different countries the expectations are different Mm -hmm. so we do work quite closely with our employment services and we partner with them regularly to make sure people are interview ready and have a great resume and they often know about leads in the community of who's hiring as well thank you both for coming on (laughs) I think this was great 
great a lot of information out there for workplaces and for newcomers to the area about finding work so i appreciate you taking the time today and joining us and let's be more welcoming thank you so much thanks tiffany and i hope that when people listen to this it's not just employers or newcomers it's the whole community like how did we find out anything in this community somebody told you yeah (laughs) that's the goal that's the networking goal yeah thank you very much thank you so much Thanks for listening to this Owen Sound Chamber of Commerce podcast. For more episodes and information, visit gb-deib.ca.